1: What constitutes a soul? I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) leave. I don't want these
2: big questions.
1: Welcome, welcome, everyone, to the Tudor Ramble Podcast, and my name is Richard. I am Austin. And today is episode 46 on The Emperor's Soul by Brandon Sanderson. Yes, it is. And guess what's different about this book? What's different? I read this book. Hallelujah. Ah,
2: isn't isn't that (laughs) wonderful? So this will be both spoiler-free, and we will warn when spoilers come, and we'll get into the nitty-gritty of this book. But we're obviously going to have Richard here, who is... I don't think I've seen you more
1: excited to talk about it. I'm actually book. prepared for this one. You were prepared. I actually wrote notes. Yeah. And like, really thought about it. Like, yes, sat in did. my chair and, like, really analyzed. It was great. Yeah. And you're going to have,
2: I mean, I think by the time you get to the end of the spoiler free, you'll want to read it just based off Richard's enthusiasm, he will show. I hope. But before we get into that, we have two huge announcements mm-hmm. to make. And the first big announcement is we are going to now have two videos you will see weekly. The first will be every Monday, still podcast, same coming out. But every Friday, we'll we also be releasing a video essay. There'll be five to 10 minutes on a different topic that finds us that we find interesting. And we'll just go from there. And that will be our schedule going forward in 2023.
1: And just so, to tease, tease the audience, what's the first video essay going to be about? The first video essay is, what was the first fantasy story ever written? There we go. Sounds so,
2: fun. and we'll have these kind of different topics shooting around, and we'll have those little mini episodes on those Fridays. But Mondays just gonna be
1: like this as usual. Yep, with the podcast. And second big announcement is we're actually launching a Patreon. Hey. So we can actually make some money. Nickel and dimes. Nickel and them, you know. <laughs> yeah. But we'll actually be hosting a book club, a monthly book club, and we'll be doing a disc. A pr- private Discord for Patreon users, and we'll be doing a video chat in the studio, and we'll discuss with you guys live about the book over voice call, Yeah, and we'll also be doing monthly movie watch parties, yep. where it's similar deal. We all watch a movie kind of together online, and then we discuss afterward for, you know, a couple hours, however long it takes to discuss that movie. No, and, and that's so... prepare to block off your whole night. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be a lot of fun, so yep. if you read a bunch of books and then don't have too many people to talk to because not a lot of people read books join our book club almost forgot to mention the patreon will be in the description below if you're interested in checking that out
2: yeah there you go and there'll also be other features such as we'll have uh you'll be able to suggest videos directly to us we'll have different things in the discord it's very very much just getting started but if you want to support us and have a book club watch parties and so forth Please do that. But, hey, if you want to watch for free and do this stuff, just leave life on the video. Keep doing your thing. We also appreciate that very much.
1: righty, right. Let's get right into All it. All right. Emperor Time. Here we go. So, the a spoiler-free summary of what the book is about. So, the book is about Shay, a master forger, is caught attempting to steal a royal artifact from the royal empire. She is imprisoned facing execution when she is given an offer. The body of the current emperor lives. While the mind and soul have died, Shay's task is to use her magic to forge a soul with her magic for the Emperor so that others won't believe that he is a fake. She has 100 days or she will be executed. And the question being, what constitutes a soul and can it be replicated?
2: Yeah, I don't know about you, but the first chapter I read of the book, what a great plot concept! Oh, yeah. What a stellar just way to open and And by the way, this is a novella. Oh, yeah. And this is Brandon Sanderson's novella. So if you know Sanderson, we cover him quite a bit. He <laughs> writes chunky, chunky books, like huge books that are fantastic. And this book, The Emperor's Soul, is just a novella. It's 130-ish pages.
1: It's 30,000 oh, yeah. words. I mean, to be fair, it is is the only one that has won... The Hugo Award from Brandon Sanderson. Hell
2: yeah, it has. It's won the Hugo. and It's polished. It's, it's very polished. And again, on Goodreads, high acclaims as well. But all you mm-hmm. need to say about this book is it won the Hugo and it's Brandon Sanderson. And that cool plot concept, if if you don't want to pick up the book, it's, come on. It's, it's a great
1: <laughs> intro into Brandon Sanderson yeah, in writing. Yeah. However, I do think if you read Emperor's Soul and then you think, oh, Stormlight's going to be like this. Oh, no. It is not. So, it is strange. If you want to get your friend to read Stormlight, maybe a different book. But I think if you just want him to understand Brandon Sanderson's appeal, definitely pick up The Emperor's Soul.
2: Right, what he's capable of. Because yeah. this book does a lot of things really effectively. It is it is a good-to-great good, it is good to great book. And do you want to give our rating, our spoiler-free rating of this book?
1: Sure. Or, or let's go right into ratings, then. Yeah. Okay,
2: what did you rate The Emperor's Soul?
1: I gave it a total average of a 9.1. Come on now. A 9.1. Come on now. It's a
2: fantastic book. Come, I'm, I told you guys, Richard's going to convince <laughs> you. It's, it's going to happen. It's I, up there. I gave the book, I gave Emperor Soul a 7.5 out of 10. That's real low for you. 7.5 is a good, like, real, pretty good. Like I, I like
1: the book. Yeah, yeah, but you're normally like the Brandon Sanderson hype man. I'm bit. the curmudgeon that's like going, oh, maybe I'll give him an eight on his book. I know Stormlight.
2: <laughs> Stormlight's my favorite series ever, and Sanderson's my favorite author. So emperor Soul, I think it's a real good book. It's a novella. It, it effectively does its things. Leads some curious questions, and it's good. It's good. But why? So nine one with, get, without getting into the spoilers, why is it so high for you?
1: The main thing. For me, uh, what I judge a book on is what it attempts and how it succeeds. Mm. If a book is not attempting to do many things, if it only is trying to do a few things, but it does each of those very masterfully, yeah. it's going to have a higher score. It's just kind of how it is. With The Emperor's Soul, how it has such a short page count and how it establishes the main two characters of their character journey and arc masterfully done mm. in such a short time. The magic system, I think, is the most interesting magic system, for me especially, in the Cosmere, for Brandon Sanderson's universe. I enjoy the action quite a bit. It's quite hyped. Maybe not as much as Stormlight, but I still really enjoy it. And I think the messages it brings along is far more insightful than a lot of the other works that Sanderson has. And invites far more interesting discussion.
2: Yeah, I I don't want to... See, here's the difference, right? (laughs) I'm going to make a prime difference. So, you know, okay. when we discuss Stormlight and we're just a point off, like I love it and you love it just a tiny bit less. Yeah. Emperor Soul here. You love it. I love yeah. it just a tiny bit less. Okay. But listen, I'm with you. This is a good book. <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to kind of report you that that's like, you just, you have a lot of passion behind this and it really hits you home. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm, I think this is a good book. Definitely read it. Recommendation from me. You get two thumbs up from me, but you get two higher thumbs up from Richard. Like absolutely read this.
1: <laughs> I mean, a bad often bad. the thing is a lot of books have – they do a lot with their plot, but they kind of drop some things. They're yeah. studying – a lot of there's kind of half-baked ideas that they maybe want to explore later. Mm-hmm. The wonderful thing about Emperor Soul is everything – there. there's no fluff. There's no, There's no grizzled edges. It's all exactly what it needs to be, and that's what makes the plot so wonderful.
2: Good review. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give spoiler warning now, or did you want to get anything else out there in the spoiler-free section?
1: Well, I did want to mention a couple things for the awards. Go ahead. Yes. So we did mess on that. This actually did win Brandon Sanderson' 2013 Hugo Award for the Best Novella, Mm -hmm. and it beat out uh, second place after the fall, before the fall, and during the fall. Third place being The Stars Do Not Lie, and on Goodreads, just have to mention, has a 4.37 on Goodreads. A damn good good store. Yeah, yeah. So.
2: And this is Hugo Award for Best Novella, right? Because best Novella.
1: There's a Hugo Award for
2: novellas and one for full novels. novels. Yes. Uh, there's
1: also a couple others, but
2: we won't get into that. Sweet. Okay. Spoiler time? Spoiler time. All right. Here's your warning. Click off this video if you have not read this and do read this. Go it read it.
1: it. It's like 100, what? 20 pages? 130, I think. 130 it's 3, pages.
2: 000 words for a Sanders. It's 16 chapters. Come on.
1: Go ahead. Go read it. And then come back.
2: Yes. And then come right back. You better come right back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. So-
2: Spoilers starting now.
1: All right. So, I actually really was more interested in this book. We could go into a breakdown of our actual scores, which I think we should quickly list off so people at least have what our actual numbered ranking is.
2: For our five categories. For our five
1: categories. I think that's it's important to have there, but I kind of don't want to base the whole discussion on that. Okay. So, for emotional impact, I gave it a 9.25. For characters, a 9. For plot, a 9.25. Dialogue and Prose, an 8.75. And World Building, a 9.25. With an average being a 9.10.
2: Yeah, 9.1 overall. That's that's how you got your total score, our five categories. Exactly. Exactly. What was yours?
1: So my total was a
2: 7.5, and that came from the five categories of Emotional Impact, I gave it a 7. Characters, I gave it a 7. Plot, I gave it an 8. Dialogue, Prose, a 7.5. And World Building, an 8. So all my scores are in the 7 to 8 range for this. And the things I elevated were Plot and World Building. Uh, were the mm-hmm. better parts of this novel and it doesn't mean the motion behind it was bad like again good seven for me it's good i i liked it i i really did like it just the enthusiasm not as high as you I, i'm i'm curious though with those categories so you said which category was your highest here
1: the category that's highest for me is plot and emotional impact
2: plot and emotional impact so why plot that high because it's so clean and it does it does well, everything it's it actually out,
1: right? the same world building is also the Equal, so all of the, all the all nine point two five. So well, yeah, so just
2: everything's great. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, we both agree on what's the best. Yeah, except yeah. for for me, emotional impact.
2: Okay, yeah, because it hit you more. Of exactly, course. makes sense. So we're not going to frame this spoiler talk more so into our categories like we usually do, right? No, you have a different idea.
1: Yeah, I kind of wanted to talk with you about some of the questions this book springs up okay. and more philosophical or more worldly questions. Let's do it. So. A big theme that's actually brought up in this book yeah. is talking about the difference between an original art and forgery. And yeah. whether forgery can actually be equally respected as an art form. Because Shy constantly brings up how that her art should be respected. And that she is an artist. Where Gautama actually thinks that she is just a you know, copycat. That it's not really art. She not may be skillful, her. but she's not producing anything of... Value. Value. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I have a question to shoot back
2: at you from that thought. (laughs) Reason being, I want to clarify. Is this, would you say this is similar to the ship of Theseus? Am I saying Theseus, right? At all. Um, Is it it similar to that that philosophical question? And for those unfamiliar, it's the, if you replace every part of a ship, is it still the same ship? I
1: would... I wouldn't actually say so. I'd say mm-hmm. the something else, the second question that I was going to talk to you about would actually apply to that. But okay. a lot of what Gotana brings up in the book is how art actually has a history. Mm-hmm. The the part of the value of the art is that the actual artist physically touched it and that 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 piece of art is a part of history and a part of the world mm-hmm. where forgery attempts to trick and fool others into thinking it's a part of history. When in reality, it's fake. That's a big part of why it doesn't have as much value. Right. Okay. So the question
2: you're gearing is more so is, let's say you get the Mona Lisa and create an exact copycat of the Mona Lisa, just like Mm -hmm. Shai Lu does. Sorry, did I get her name right? Yeah. Yeah. Shai, just like she does to the painting on uh, the Frava's wall. Mm -hmm. Right. So she creates an exact copycat, and the whole debate is is that real art? Uh, are you a real artist, right?
1: Yeah. So I'm kind of curious. What would you think? I don't know. <laughs>
2: I don't know what to think, Richard. This <laughs> this book made know. me think so much. I just said I'll just give it a
1: seven. That's probably. why you gave it a seven.
2: <laughs> no, I when when thought when these questions were pushed out, I don't have a lot of answers to them. I just thought it was really curious to think about, hmm. and I'm I'm very much open to hearing what what your answer well, would be because I I don't know
1: a lot of Gotana's points actually. I think are correct in value of certain art. Mm. A lot of art comes from its historical value and its actual touch on the past. That's a big part. When you look at the Mona Lisa, when you look at any art in a museum, you're, yes, you can appreciate the art for what it is. Yeah, But a big part of your value is seeing what you get to, inside the view of the mind of someone in the past. That's a part of its value. How did this person... X many years ago, see the world. That's a big part of the value. A forgery kind of, it does detract from that. However, the idea between originality and copying, I think, is more interesting because is anything original? Most ideas that we talk about are just combinations of things that we've already lived. That your whole life, whenever you come up with something, you write a story, your story is a combination of your past experiences and more probably a combination of books and stories that you've already read. You can even break it down even more simply where Brandon Sanderson himself, I think he took uh for uh, what was, what was the story? He, he did a combination of two things and he wrote a story about it. He was telling a story
2: about someone who did that. Stormlight. I think it was he did um...
1: Pokemon and no, no,
2: that, that, he, that wasn't for Bullshit. Stormlight. Like he was saying a story about an author he knew who combined oh, okay. Pokemon and, like, the Roman Legion or something like that. Yeah. I forget the book's series name, but it did really well. Because yeah. the whole point of Sanderson's story there was, hey, you any author, you could combine two ideas, and if you're a good enough author, make it into a great book, right? Yeah,
1: and that's two unoriginal ideas combined together to create something original. We could even get more
2: granular. Like, all the words we're saying are just 26 letters jumbled in different ways. Yeah, Is anything original, right? It gets really deep into that. Anything you say is it an original thing if it's prefaced on the fact that it was built from something before you, right? Exactly.
1: And so, so is there any original thought? Yeah, because you well you can look out of it, you
2: definitely not. No, yeah, I'm I'm just me? regurgitating. Like, oh no, I,
1: I got an AI. You know, <laughs> Chat Chat GPT is actually just everything that I'm writing. Like I have a monitor off right here, reading off the script from Chat GPT.
2: I, I've noticed it. I've got, I'm gotten yeah. uncomfortable. The AI is getting closer.
1: <laughs> it's telling me to say things, Richard. <laughs> but so that's what you, so you think that it is still an art form that it the difference between forgery and original art is
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for 1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for 2.49 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger less than 5 miles away or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
1: It's just one degree of copying.
2: Now, an exact forgery, if you're saying, I'm going to copy the the Mona Lisa stroke by stroke, and you're helping me with this, because at first, it's it's a lot of these questions, Mm. and it's you know, what is the answer? A Mm. lot of these are questions that might not have definitive answers, so if you're to copy the Mona Lisa stroke by stroke, is that art? Is that the question? Yeah. Yes, it's art, but is it as valuable as the original? No.
1: There's actually a concept, and this is what fuels a lot of modern art discussion. Oh, boy, you're going
2: to throw something at me. Oh, God.
1: The A reason why we look at – a lot of laymen look at modern art mm-hmm. and say, oh, that's kind of BS, All which right. I do think so. Most of it's garbage. <laughs> But a reason why that it is considered valuable in certain communities is it's the first. It's original. So the canvas with just a blue line down the middle sold, I don't know, however X million dollars. Mm. It's valuable not for what it is, but that it was the first. Oh, you okay. could come along second, but my art teacher talked to me about how, yeah, sure, if it's such a stupid idea, why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do it first and make the X millions? So, would it an it's answer be, valid because it's first, yeah, so that would I think be a counterpoint to forgery being as valuable art,
2: right, so would it would it because be it wasn't o- first, right, would it be okay to say then the art is as valuable as the people value it?
1: if ultimately that's the sad, boring answer is that uh, art is as valuable as you know people To will be fair.
2: To play. I, I did say you had no original thoughts, so I will take that <laughs> criticism. <laughs> I said an answer like,
1: Yeah, that's such a boring answer. Like just the first thing I was like, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something. The reason why it's boring is it's true. <laughs> it's ultimately what okay. fuels the entire art market is It's just you value it. Do you value it? it. Right. So
2: But why why do people value it? Is now that more the, the question?
1: The fun thing to shy mm-hmm. is it's valuable to her because she's able to trick thousands and now millions with her forgery. Right. And the art is the is the illusion. Just right. how magicians uh the art form of a magician is the illusion. Mm. To Shy the art is the illusion. That's her valuable. That's her valuable art is that exact trick. Mm-hmm. So, it's not necessarily the art itself. That's the technique. I mean, her whole her trick art right? is the trick.
2: Yeah, and her whole trick at the end is making Ashravan, the emperor, ever so slightly nudging in a direction. It's still him, but she.
1: Well, actually. A, yeah. Let's go right into that, actually. Oh, a great. Can good I segue. transition. For you, you transitioned wonderfully. Ooh, zoom. <laughs> what is it? What constitutes a soul? I'm going to leave. <laughs> I don't want these big
2: questions. What constitutes a soul? Um, I'm going to throw this back at you. A soul is
1: constituted of what, Richard? Well,
2: Absolutely. you can think about
1: con- uh, what constitutes a soul. Is it your memories, desires, your habits, relationship with others? Because if you can break it down into certain elements, you could hypothetically write and fake your way through it. Okay. If you know a all of a person's memories mm-hmm. if you know all of a person's deepest desires if you know what their habits are what they do every day are their you actions <laughs> and you know their relationships how, how do they treat with other please people Please look away from me <laughs> <laughs> no good point sorry keep going if they know all these things and if that's what constitutes soul can it be replicated okay your thoughts again when so this is the whole
2: concept behind Ashurban. If you know yeah. everything about Ashurban, can you create the same person? Can you clone someone? Yeah. So interesting.
1: You got nothing on <laughs> nothing in your brain for this one. No, the the reason
2: <laughs> being with these kind of big questions, mm-hmm. after reading this book, the best thing that this book did for me was leave those big philosophical questions and the questions I don't have answers toward. I I'm yeah. left in a spot and it's tough because it's a spot where we have a podcast and it's very good to shoot back and forth opinions, but I'm, I'm right now here sitting going on. These are big questions. Sanderson asked and philosophical to the point where it's beyond me.
1: I don't know. I think he provides a sort of answer. Okay. In, in a, so I believe in the end, shy look in the beginning of the story, shy treats Ashraven, like a project, like a piece of art mm, yeah, by yeah. the end. I believe she treats him like a mother mm. and how a mother does Yeah. and is nudging, not controlling him, not manipulating mm, him, yeah. but nudging him in the direction to make him the best man that he could be and wants to be. And that's what a good mother does. a good mother, uh, leads, uh, leads her child and actually encourages certain behavior and tries to soothe other things, but always with, that child's best intention at heart and so ultimately is your soul your own or did your parents form your soul just the same way that shy does shy forges the emperor's soul but so did your parents your parents forged your soul they encourage certain habits they encourage certain memories they try and make you forget about other things while trying to encourage you and remind you about really great moments in your life
2: yeah, they told me to surround myself with good people. I didn't listen. You to didn't them from listen day one. <laughs> That's a good point. So she's she's nudging Asher van just yep. like a mother would nudge her son or daughter.
1: And, and ultimately, I'm, wow. Ultimately, a, a point that Shy makes on it is just that hopefully one day Asherman actually doesn't even need the seals anymore. That mm. his soul will be just there because if you press hard enough on a stack of papers. Eventually, like, you press hard enough and repeat it over and over again, the pages underneath will be imprinted from the pen on top. Yep. Just the same way a child starts off, like, kind of like a fresh slate, and parents are imprinting upon that child. Ashman is the exact same way as a child, but he's starting out at a different point in his life. But 20 years from now, how different would it be? Mm -hmm. He. He gained lessons from people around him and people who wanted him to grow. Ultimately, it's the exact same as a regular person.
2: Interesting. Man, the word of the day is
1: interesting. <laughs> I, I think Sanders is trying to get across the point of it ultimately doesn't matter. Hmm. That, you're, that you kind, like your soul is kind of what you make it out to be, ultimately. And that your soul is a combination of the influence of others.
2: Yeah, nature nurture. Yeah. Exactly.
1: That was my thought on that. I wanted to actually ask a final question of yours. Are
2: though. you sure you really want to ask? I'm
1: this? I'm trying. I'm I'm seeing if you have any uh you know, see rub those brain cells together, see if you can get something original thought out. <laughs> see, that's you can't start this whole conversation with is original thought original. <laughs> and then the
2: rest of the time I'm just thinking, like, anything I say, is it really me saying it? Is it uh oh.
1: So many questions, Richard. See, is this how is this how uh like this is how I always feel when you prepare a bunch of stuff? I'm just sitting here going, ah, I'm just here for the ride, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no the the big thing about this book it had all these big questions, and I'm like, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm so bad. Okay, go ahead. Lastly, who does the ultimate authority? Uh, who has the ultimate authority in concerns to art? The public. Who now has it, or the artists themselves? Who owns art. Who owns art. Now, on the boring answer being whoever paid for it technically owns it. Sure.
2: And right, the I think laws, at least in the U.S., yeah. if we're talking public domain laws, it's 70 years after the author's death goes into the public domain. Yeah. If we want to talk more, hey, but, what,
1: what's the law? But more morally. More and... morally speaking. Forget okay. the law. Forget the law, yeah. Who owns art. And the question I wanted to bring up to you, and the hypothetical, is hypothetically they now now find Leonardo da Vinci, he had a journal. And in there he actually said that he really hated his painting of the Mona Lisa. Mm -hmm. And he actually never wanted it shown, he wants it destroyed, and he wished nobody ever sees it. Would it be right, then, for the museum curators to burn that painting? Because ultimately, does Leonardo da Vinci have ultimate authority over his work?
2: Or does he lose authority at a certain point to the public domain?
1: Yeah. yeah so at which to... point, yeah. what would you think is right?
2: Yeah, I definitely want to ask that question to you. What do you think?
1: <laughs> it's a podcast. I'm asking you No, questions. you are asking great questions. I don't know. Well, think out loud. You can question things. Okay, so bounce, Lisa.
2: Bounce things I'm, off I'm me. Getting Mona, I'm getting Mona Lisa over here. Okay, I'm getting... I'm getting Van Gogh. I'm getting... <laughs> Shoot. I think... Yeah, okay. Let, let me talk out loud about this then. Yeah. Leonardo da Vinci says... We find out that he says, Mona Lisa, he wanted it destroyed in the future. Now, do we find this out? Is it more so... This is a hypothetical example. Yeah. So is it more so this could happen to any artist? Let's say it's you create something and it, mm-hmm. it's in your will. Destroy this at a later date. Yeah. Ah. Oh... I, I, uh, my initial reaction to that is it's the artist's work. So if the artist or it's in your will, like something is passing on to your children and Leonardo da Vinci, let's say the Mona Lisa, instead of destroying it, it was to go to his direct ancestor Mm -hmm. instead of an art museum. I think he would have the right to choose where his painting goes. So I think as I'm talking about, I think it goes to the artist if there's a declared intent, Behind the Though
1: ultimately, I think. at the end of Glass Onion, yeah. we actually see the Mona Lisa burn, and it's a moment of triumph in the story. Mm. And I'm pretty sure, I bet other people felt the same way. I thought it was a very odd feeling, because I didn't think it was a very celebratory moment to watch right. the Mona Lisa burn. It, it's a, It's a tragic loss for the world when it burns oh, in okay. the movie. Why do we feel that way?
2: Because it's so valuable to everybody. Ultimately,
1: we're not yeah. sad because the artist lost his work. No. Would, would we're you say... sad because the world lost it. Would you and s- ultimately, does the loss of the world, who appreciates that art, more important than the author's interest? Let's say authority. Banksy's
2: alive today, mm-hmm. and he has this painting that becomes so valuable, and he wants to destroy his Does it make a difference if they're dead or alive? That's the question. So if Banksy's alive today and says this piece of art that he has and he owns, he never sold it, mm-hmm. and Banksy says he wants it destroyed as soon as he dies.
1: Morally speaking, I don't think it has any bearing. I think it's about the same.
2: Mm, okay.
1: I mean, I think if you believe that the artist does not have ultimate authority after death, yeah. why should they have ultimate authority in life? Right. If enough people appreciate a piece of art and it's valued for that reason should the artist have the right to destroy it. So it's it? more of a private property question. Like, is yeah, it, is no, it your I property? Mean, the, the, again, the boring answer would be, well, the artist owns it, legally speaking, and hasn't sold it to anybody. Mm. That means they
2: can destroy it if they wish. Yeah, but then there's a complicated part with the Mona Lisa of it's so far removed that does the does the Louvre. Does, I mean, who, who owns it at that point when it's, what, hundreds and hundreds of years later?
1: Oh, no. Ultimately, yeah, people can... Like, the Louvre technically owns the Mona Lisa, but I think it's... There is a certain degree of they have bought the stewardship of it. Mm. They do not own it. They are stewards of that painting, and I think that's the case for most art.
2: Is it right for if Bill Gates just, let's say, Bill Gates bought the Mona Lisa? Or something that is purchasable. I think he bought... um so He bought, I think, some Leonardo da Vinci's um, drawings and mm-hmm. a sketchbook. Would it be right, would it be allowed, you think, for him to buy those and then burn them instantly as soon as he owns them? Does he have the right to do what he wants with a valued piece of
1: art? Legally, no. Morally. Uh, So, legally, yes. Morally, no.
2: I see. Because it has such meaning to the world. It's a historic artifact.
1: There's actually a case, I believe there's some British television show that bought a couple of pieces of art and certain memorabilia of Hitler, and, like, Hitler memorabilia stuff, mm-hmm. well, the stuff that like his pen, his old painting, a sketchbook of his, whatever, yep. and they bought it, and for the show, the contestants get the choice, and they get to destroy a piece of uh, Hitler's art or something, and I do actually think that's kind of morally wrong. It's, it's a piece of history, more importantly, but it's a, it's something that you destroy that now, and it cannot be appreciated later.
2: Wow. So, do you know why this, were between a rock and a hard place here?
0: Hmm.
2: I read this book, I'm thinking, you know, this podcast, we're going to talk about stories. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you're throwing, so I... Do you understand now why I gave it a nine? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, you,
2: it just really impacted you. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I felt very emotional at the end when Gatana actually burned the book for Ashman. Mm. That he betrayed his own moral thoughts for someone he considers like a son and in many ways he actually comes to Shy's side of understanding the world mm-hmm. and that great art sometimes must be destroyed and there's a di- i thought that was really deep and interesting
2: that is but man i am a loser just in this right conversation. over here no no i got you there <laughs> but i'm just the concepts of it i i don't have an opinion no that's the problem i don't really have an i don't i don't have an opinion on this stuff I have thoughts, and I, I'm i more so – I want to sit and listen to a podcast of people talking about this where they have some opinions out of these. I don't know what to think. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. But uh, for you guys that are listening and watching, how about you let us know what your opinions are on these ideas, and I will try and comment in the uh, YouTube comments. R- Richard will
2: be con- – yeah. I'm running away. I'll try. I'll Holy do my best.
1: Crap. I am <laughs> – I need to go read some philosophy or something like this. I need help. <laughs> so <laughs> – So uh, let us know in the comments down below what you guys think, and we'll actually see you guys, not next week, but this coming Friday for our upcoming video essay. Oh, yeah. Two videos a week now. Two videos a week. Check out the Patreon if you want to support us. uh, Keep keep doing what we're doing, and we'll catch you guys in a couple days. See you soon. Bye, Bye, y'all.
0: vacation starts with va whether you're feeling beachy mountainy or every e in between you'll find all that you love all in one trip to virginia start yours at virginia.org save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon